0: Mr. Seiler, yes. Welcome to the Inroads Podcast. All right, thank, thank you, you for having for me being here. <laughs> so, what would I call you if it wasn't Mr. Seiler?
1: Mm, a lot of people call me B. Side or B-Sye. King Kong. King Kong. Yeah. Where does King
0: Kong come from?
1: Uh, well, my granddaddy was a boxer. Okay. Uh, and he fought Muhammad Ali. Wow. Right. Probably. Uh, the athlete that i look up to the most muhammad ali and his nickname was gorilla so okay. at his essence
0: ah I'm look king at that kong. king kong i there see we that go. now okay <laughs> okay king kong so tell me about your 5 year old self if you were driving in a car with your 5 year old self and you were to look behind you and you were to see little 5 year old you looking right back what would your 5 year old self say he was most surprised by in your life and how things have turned out for you
1: I'm different, right? I'm re-engineered a different way. Okay. My five-year-old self probably wouldn't be surprised about anything. Really? My five-year-old self was different. I always was a little bit different, right? I was raised in the projects in Pine Hills, but everybody around me always knew that there was something different about me. right? So and describe I was, different. I was the kid that, you know, even though I could beat somebody up and tackle them on a football field and excel in basketball and baseball, I had a 4.2 GPA, you know, and everybody in the community could tell you about my heart. Hmm. So I was always different. You know, even when there was something bad happening, the hood kids would always say, B-side, I need you to get out of here, right? So it was always that something special Mm -hmm. uh, that my five-year-old self had that people seen uh, a long time ago. So I think that I'm right on path what that five-year-old see. Do
0: you think that growing up, you always knew that and had that sense of security and self-awareness?
1: I think that I always expected it. My mom was strong, a strong woman in my life. And she disciplined me in a way like no other, mm. in, in ways that, you know, now today probably now we, be, we don't talk about probably wouldn't Cameron, be that no. great, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those were the things, and she installed that kind of discipline in me when I was young, right? Mm. Didn't let me partake in a lot of the things that people around me were doing. So it made me understand that there was something different and special about myself.
0: Mm. And that's something that you've owned and going through what you have been through, you had to have kind of probably had to harness that as almost one of your superpowers, I imagine, and own it. And it probably helped propel you in a lot of ways, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I there's a lot of people um, that look at everything that I'm doing and they always ask, like, how? How are you doing yeah. so much? How are you still you know being super dad yeah. uh you know husband uh but still taking care of 4500 NFL players wow. and running seven businesses at one time right and still going to school i got a year left to i get my doctorate in business wow. right i got i went back to the university of florida mm-hmm. and i got my degree mm-hmm. right because i left early mm-hmm. uh got my degree then i went I got my MBA in business. Mm. Uh, I got two degrees from MIT business certificates, one from Harvard, one from Ward Business School, one from Yale. So I'm always just, I'm chasing learning, right? I want my brain to continually grow and learn. And I put people around me that, when I don't know what's best, they do. When I'm bad at something, I put somebody around me that's good at it, you know? network, yeah that's how it works
0: tell me so you talk me through your career journey and how you got to be where you are where you have all these degrees and run all these businesses
1: uh well i was i I chose the university of florida uh went there i was the sec freshman player of the year okay as soon as i got on campus i told the advisor to put my schedule, to load my schedule up. So I graduated in three years because wow. I knew that I wanted to change the financial dynamic of my family. Mm. And at any opportunity, I was going to go to the NFL. Okay. So I said, three years, getting that degree. So I would have gotten it in three years, except I didn't realize that you only spend two and a half years on campus. Mm-hmm. So then you have to go train for the combine. Mm. That's why I had to go back and get my degree. So I went to Florida I was the captain of a national championship team mm. um, in 06 where uh, we have a Netflix documentary that's coming out where it goes over that period of years where mm. Tim Tebow's following behind me yeah. uh, trying to become the best leader that he can be and and, and it worked yeah. right so we won a national championship then I I get upset in the, in the draft, supposed to get drafted in the first round, mm. first or second round, and I get drafted in the seventh. Mm. I like to say that I lost about $15 million that day. Right? So, Were you
0: getting nervous in that I, moment waiting for... Of
1: course. Like, did my agent not put my name in? <laughs> Like, what? like What's going on it. here? It's, right? It's uh, one
0: or two, like, right there. It's right like there. What,
1: what, what, why is nobody calling my name, right? So, so it's a different experience being a seventh-round draft pick when you get drafted in the NFL, right? You're in the background. I didn't get to play, hmm. you know, um, got labeled as a special teamer. So never really achieved what I wanted to those first few years because I, I was barely making the team, yeah. you know, because of where I got drafted. Um, and then in my fourth year, my third or fourth year, I actually – uh, propelled to the top and played linebacker mm. and was proving myself. And um, in my fifth year, after my four years of my first contract, I was got paid. Wow. It was my big payday coming. And then the lockout happens, the NFL lockout. So NFL lockout happens. Fifth year, I have to sign for one year to Kansas City. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm playing great, best shape of my life. Mm. I'll play this one year, and prove myself. Sure. Last practice of the last play before I first game. Tear my Achilles, wow. out for the season. No so my way. fifth year, I'm out for the season. My sixth year, uh-huh. I come back. Javon Belcher shoots himself in the head at the facility in Kansas City. I was the closest person to him on the team. We mm-hmm. played the same. We were the only two people on the team that played Mike Linebacker. And when he did that, I was actually calling his cell phone as mm-hmm. I was pulling into the facility. And... Heard the shot and could look down and see. So that was very traumatic. And as a matter of fact, that was on a Saturday. We played on Sunday. And everywhere his name was, they scratched out his name and wrote my name. So after that, my love for the game left. And I had to find a new identity. And that's what's tough on a lot of people. And in my case, I walked away from the game. I'd never been cut. Right? Mm. So I walked away, which... It's a blessing in a sort of way, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, When I walked away from the game, I walked away. I made that decision. Mm -hmm. Most people don't, right? It's 98% of guys, they don't make that decision. The game is done with them and they have to come to that realization. When I left, uh, I went back to UF, Mm -hmm. went and got my degree. And then I went and talked in front of the UF, alumni, boosters, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I told them like, look, I'm not looking for a job. I'm not gonna go cut anybody's lawn, Mm -hmm. right? I said, but I am looking for a career. So if you need somebody that's bright, somebody that's a leader, somebody that has new ideas and new brilliance that they can put into a company that needs that shakeup, yeah, I'm your man. Mm. And I must have been very persuasive in the talk because everybody bid on me like Shark Tank, oh, that's right? So funny. They were trying they to get me, trying again. to whatever, and I landed on uh, David Nabavi, who played ten years before me. Mm-hmm. He was at CMAX, and he recruited me on to manage uh, the ready mix department mm-hmm. at CMAX. Okay, so we had. I, I I took the apartment sector mm-hmm. and we were doing 5% of apartment complexes at mm. the time. Two 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 and a half years later, when I left, we were doing two and a half, wow. I mean 65% of all apartment wow. complexes. So safe to say I kind of excelled in that role. Yeah. And then I dealt with my own mental health issues. Um, I had a lot of guys that were coming to me that was dealing with this same sort of thing. They couldn't get these disabilities from the NFL. Mm. And I started digging into why, Mm -hmm. right? And um, the more that I dug, the more and more I got upset. Mm -hmm. The more and more I saw why they couldn't get through it. And I had about six of my buddies that came to me and just asked for my help. Like they come ask the smart guy, help me. And uh, I dug, I figured it out and I got them to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And it brought me so much satisfaction, so much joy that I was dealing with my mental health issues and it got me out of that Mm -hmm. rut like seeing that I could help other people in that way. And that's when the light bulb went off. Hmm. That's when I started saying, oh shit, this makes me feel as good as that made me feel back in the day, if not better, right? So then there's the school, I'm going back. I want to learn more, how to run a business, how to do this, how to do that. And then continually helping these guys to now five years later, like the Amazon in that space. So I have about 5,000 players that I represent mm. and I get them disabilities, whether it's a, a line of duty, which is a was an orthopedic disability, yeah. a neurocognitive or a total and permanent disability. I help guys get, I'm the bridge that gets them to the money wow. that uh, is out there for them. It's a statute of limitations on a lot of this stuff. and. If, A lot you, of complexity if you fail it. it is yes, it's, it's, it is. It's, it's
0: complex. Well, and that's part of where I'm sure your education and dealing with the dynamics, your work capability, capacity, and then the ability to connect the dots seem to serve in your favor. Now, the beginning of your story, it seems like you had some derailers, some roadblocks. How Sorry. but you sound positive about them? I'm sure they didn't feel like it at the time. How did you view them when you were waiting to be picked or when you got locked up?
1: Uh traumatizing, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that you spend your whole life uh trying to get to. Today I might seem like I'm confident about it, right? Yeah. But at the time I wasn't. So I'm uh I've committed suicide twice, right? Not that good at it as you can see, right? Wow. That's that's one thing that's good to fail at, yeah. right? So I've committed suicide twice and dealt with my own mental health issues, right? So now on to the you know, fast forward. A few years into helping these players out, a lot of these guys were dealing with mental health issues, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of these guys deal with anxiety and depression in the most, in the highest form from, of rejection of something that you wanted to do your whole life. Yeah. So there was a rehab facility that only treated athletes, right? And I own this rehab facility. But how I discovered it is I sent one guy out to this rehab facility that was having a lot of issues, and he came back and he was like, man, that was life-changing, like mm. I loved it. So immediately I jumped on a plane, went out there with my business partner and I said, guys need this, yeah. right? And I've helped her develop this facility up to the fact that she was getting older and she wanted to you know, shut everything yeah. down and was done. And I basically said, there's no way that we can do that. Like, if this goes away, then all of these players that we're mm. treating, all of these players that we're saving that goes away for them, right? So me and my business partner, we got together and I purchased the facility. And now it's Pure uh, Recovery California. Mm. And we treat guys for anxiety, depression, substance abuse, TBIs, neurocognitive issues. Mm. So guys go out there and we have a 95% success rate. Wow! Because out at our facility, there are a lot of rehab facilities around the country. Right, but it's unique when it comes to sports and playing sports on a high level. It's unique to the things that you go through from a mental capacity. So it's hard for you to get healing unless Mm -hmm. you're around a lot of people that are dealing with the same things that you're dealing with, right? So when I walk into a rehab facility and there's Joe Blow, you know, that comes in here and he's telling his story and you just don't feel it. You You can't can't, relate to it. You can't relate. You can't give it. You still don't belong. You still are trying to figure out where you fit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when guys go to our facility, because it is all athletes, Mm -hmm. you are getting that experience. So you're going through, These guys have been through the same thing that you've been through now. They might be at a different place in your journey. There might be somebody further along Mm -hmm. that you can pull from. There Mm -hmm. might be somebody not as far along that can pull from you. Yeah. Right. And, getting together with them is like having that locker room experience again Mm -hmm. you have that brotherhood again and we have an alumni program where Mm -hmm. we can stay in touch and we hold each other accountable Mm -hmm. where we check up on each other and we build that camaraderie and have that brotherhood that we had back in the day so that is the biggest difference at our rehab facility and that's why it works so well with our guys
0: and i think that you're onto something there because that sense of identification and connectivity in that community, having the like-minded experiences. And I imagine, especially as an athlete, there are certain sensory things that you will go through, the intensity level, right? The identification of yourself reflected from others, from so many others. There's a lot of pressure and expectation there and only so few people, I imagine, would understand what that feels like. So if you were to summarize, what does it feel like to be a professional athlete in that way and what makes that community so uniquely able to serve each other?
1: I think that there's a lot of things that comes with being a professional athlete, right? One of the biggest is financially, right? Like everybody's going to pull on you. Most guys that make it into the NFL or make it in professional sports don't come from money, right? So mm-hmm. they have a lot of these financial issues that they have to deal with, which then makes the relationships different, right? Money doesn't change mm-hmm. you. It changes everybody around oh, you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It changes the way that they treat you, the way that they look at you, the mm-hmm. way that they think about you. So that happens, and the expectation is high when you're playing at that high, right? When when it's your job to perform yeah. in that way um, athletically, it's tough. And that's the reason why we're taking our program and we're now put implementing it on college campuses, mm. right? So we're implementing our program on college campuses because that's where it really starts, sure, it starts. right? In college, Beginning. everybody is understood that mental health is one of the biggest issues in sports right mm-hmm. now. Everybody understands that. But even my facility, we're treating guys once they have... Uh, once somebody has made a valid point that it is something going on, that it's something there. But most guys that are dealing with this stuff, they don't know that they're dealing with it at the time, right? They think that it's you or it's them or it's it's something else that's making them do that. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know that that you're dealing with it, then how can you resolve it? So I say we start by doing the preventative work on college campuses, right? Student athletes should have mental health education and preventative work Implement it into uh, into their curriculum, yeah. right? So if you implement it in their curriculum, how we do it is basically we give the, we basically make all student athletes basically have this mental health work, mm. so that even if you don't know that something is going on with yeah. you, you discover it through this through this treatment ah. and through this curriculum. Mm-hmm. Or if you have something going on with you, we we address it. And then now, you know, you know, I don't know how many guys that I've played with in college that have come in and they're the number one player in the country or they're high ranked in the country and they get into it and uh, the coaches are yelling at them and got this pressure and they cower and they go to the back of the line and they're yelled at and they never become the player that they ultimately could be or that mm-hmm. we ultimately recruited them as and they they knew that they could become yeah. because nobody's there because nobody can babysit that kid right that you you curse at and he moves to the back and he just cowers and yep. he's never performing well right Comes a if shell that of kid, yeah he's a shell of himself so if you give that kid mental health work if mm-hmm. you if that kid understands that that coach is yelling at him but not because he doesn't like him right. not because he's you're not good enough he's trying to get something better out of you. Just understanding that kind of stuff uh, from an athletic standpoint when it comes to mental health uh, makes a world of difference, right? It makes a world of difference in that individual Mm -hmm. and who that individual turns to and becomes. We just recently had one of our former players at UF commit suicide, right? um and i think doing that kind of work prevents that kind of thing yeah. you know what i'm saying
0: it's and the the brilliance of the community the and the peer group that you're connecting they make to your point may not know mm-hmm. and so when you have somebody that either has experienced it and you've provided the dialogue and the safe space to be able to acknowledge it to be able to recognize the signs or like you're saying started early training what those signs may be that can be recognized in one another far faster when you put the like-minded people and like experienced people together. And so that creating that network is brilliant for you to do that.
1: Yeah, I think I think my experiences and the things that I've done and the things that I've seen is what makes this relevant for players that are going through it, right? I've played the highest level. I've won the rings, right? I got national championship rings. I played in every game except the Super Bowl. But I also got drafted with Paul Oliver Mm. that committed suicide, Mm. right? I also was good friends with Junior Seau when he committed suicide. Shane Olivier Mm. was my guard in in San Diego, committed suicide. I just told you about Javon Belcher, who I was the closest with that committed suicide. Vincent Jackson I played with in San Diego. Mm committed suicide two weeks before going to our facility. Wow. So that is the kind of stuff that is like, ouch. Like you can prevent things like that from happening basically by having this treatment in place and, you know, everybody wins when you treat mental health and you're preventative about mental health. Yeah. Like, let's stop being reactive.
0: Absolutely. Let's treat it. I've seen uh, since COVID, there's a lot of talk in the corporate world or in business enterprise world where the mental health of an employee or a leader, the pressure is on, the business dynamics are changing. People are – their identity based on what they used to go into work to do to be and be every day, it's all changed. Mm -hmm. And people are – that either had mental health issues are now working remotely, so it's being exacerbated because they don't have the distraction. They're not being pulled out of their home. They're not – they didn't have access to certain, you know, HR people or other therapists that might be able to help them through it. And so I think that what I'm seeing is much like you're talking about, it's a swell – that COVID has revealed, at least from the business standpoint. We have at Caroline Executive Solutions, specifically somebody on our team in the executive development area that focuses on mental, whole body health, well being from food to the mind to the soul, all of that, because it's so important. And I think when you identify your peer group, that's an accelerator for helping save more lives. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it goes back to give you your purpose and. Let's go back to when you lost your purpose twice. When you think back to you then, what kinds of things were you feeling and thinking that led you to try?
1: To try to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, when you feel like you've done things the right way, when you feel like you've done things the way that they're supposed to be done, Mm -hmm. and continually over and over and over, you continue to get the short end of the stick, right? I had guys that I grew up with that, couldn't get recruited to the University of Florida. I Couldn't play that high level of football. That got drafted before me. I got teammates that got drafted before me that I knew wasn't nowhere near as important mm-hmm. to me. Right? It makes you feel like no matter what you've done and no matter what you do, you're never going to be enough. It's never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to be that way. And I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest things uh, surrounding is that I wasn't I wasn't based in faith. Mm-hmm. right So I didn't have God lead me mm-hmm. down every path that I went. Mm-hmm. right So because of that, when you do everything that you can do and you have nothing else to hold on yeah. to, then it's like, well, you're not enough. Mm-hmm. So what's the use of living? Wow. So that's kind of the way that my mindset happened back then since then I found I found Christ, I found mm-hmm. God. And based in, in my beliefs mm-hmm. uh, of God, I'm not a, a religious person, but I'm True. very, very spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, and I have a connection with God. I have, mm-hmm. a, I have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps to, that makes a world of difference, yeah. having something else that you can hold on to that when you have done everything that you can do, yeah. you can look to to say, I already know, though. Yeah. It don't matter that I ain't doing enough because I know that you got
0: it. And it's a bit. there's a bigger purpose. It, it, there's bigger a purpose. sense outside of yourself and a connection that pulls you through to other parts of your life so that you can make the dots that you made. For example, the word that you use that I love that is so rarely used, but it's what makes it so pure is you said joy. You didn't say happy, right? No. People try to be happy all the time. Like what is happiness? I don't know. But joy is a level that I think most people, I think they miss aiming for joy and they aim for happiness and happiness can be filled with a lot of superficial things. It can be filled with what your, you know, people think of you. It can be filled with other people's expectations you're trying to meet. But when you have joy that comes from an authentic place in yourself that radiates differently. And when you have that light, that's when you can take your light and shine it to others. And it's completely fascinating that you use that word. How, how do you describe success and joy as they correlate together?
1: As it goes to joy, I think happiness is something that somebody else can bring you. Mm-hmm. Right? Joy is from within, mm-hmm. right? Joy is something that you get from yourself, yeah. right? Happiness you can get like the superficial mm-hmm. things from outside, right? Joy is inside. Like I get joy knowing that I'm doing what my purpose is here on you earth. You can see it. Your do. eyes light up and right? you start smiling. Right. Like you are so you're just I naturally get joy just out of that, right? Yeah. So I get joy when when I know that I'm saving lives, when I know that I'm helping people and I'm changing the dy- the dynamic and the trajectory of mm-hmm. where they're going in in the world and in, yeah. in life, that brings me joy, yeah. right? Yeah. Nothing else can do that. That's not an outside thing that can bring that. Now, I still mm-hmm. like being happy, Yeah. right? I still like my yeah. Business, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But joy is what it's all about, right? That's from within. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's pretty much the difference on that.
0: You mentioned earlier about how money changes people, and I imagine that brings somewhat pressure. But it also makes you question who's in your life that's genuine and what their purpose and intention might be, right?
1: That's always. That's yeah. always. I remember I, I told my wife, like we have friends or whatnot. I said, I said it's easy being your friend. I said it's easy being your friend. It's easy being my friend. Yeah. Right. Because you go to this place, you go to that place, you have access to that person. Right. I was playing. I was playing pickleball at Jamie Fox house, mm. right? I was also playing the next day, playing pickleball with at uh, Brian Grazer mm. house, right? And then met with Larry David for for dinner, right? It's easy being yeah. my friend, right? Yeah. It's like having the connection, the access to people, right? And having us that's financially stable, yeah. right? So when you wanna do things and we pay for different things. So it's easy being a friend, what's, what's hard is to understand that it's not your job to make a financial difference in everybody else's life, mm-hmm. even if they've been vital to you getting to where you are. Yeah. Right? What was hard for me was understanding that uh, people are gonna be all right without me.
0: Mm.
1: You know, wow. people will be living mm. a year from the day if I tell them no. Yeah, and they'll still be rolling. They'll still somehow have made it happen. Yeah, right. But what I can't do is, my my, it's God, my wife, Mm -hmm. and my kids in that order, Mm -hmm. right? And if I'm not taking care of those things, uh, those have got to be the things that I take care of first. Once those things are done, then I can open my heart Mm -hmm. and do things when I feel like doing them. I think when I started telling everybody no consistently is when I started getting the real people. Wow. That's what I was going to ask you, is how did you know who to filter in or out? You just tell everybody no.
0: Hmm.
1: You tell them no. Can you help? Yes, but no,
0: Hmm. right?
1: Be comfortable with that. Feel good about that, right? Feel good about telling people no, because now they're going to show you who they really are. Right? Like, who are you really to me? If I'm not that financial person, if I'm not funding your this and funding your that, then who are you? If we're still good friends and we're, we're still fun, cool,
0: therefore. Yeah. then cool, yeah. that's the
1: person that I want to be around me because we. I've had so many people that I've looked out for and I've done things for my mm-hmm. whole life and felt such an obligation to them to turn out that they're snakes in the grass, mm-hmm. right? That they're doing things behind your back and they're talking about you in ways that like, you're like, wait, that person said this? So you can't get satisfaction out of that. I think what athletes have to learn and what people have to learn at a successful period is that saying no consistently is Mm going to get you the people around you that you really need.
0: The ones that are going to be willing and want to work there. And as you're talking, I'm imagining putting myself in your shoes and these various scenarios. So you're trying to figure out where you belong, what team you belong to. You're trying to figure out what rank you have, you know, draft pick order and all that that does have something to do to validate or disvalidate your identity and your your understanding and belief of yourself then you go out of this and you have this friendship circle or maybe even the friendship circle during but you you have to filter out and understand trying to figure out who you are trying to figure out where you belong where you fit then you have this society and this friend network where you're trying to figure out okay what do they see in me and what do they want me for and there's always this disconnect or dissonance in But who am I? And then if I know who I am, do they see me for Mm -hmm. me? And then are they here for me? So you've had to go through many layers of getting to the inside core and heart of who you are. And then you've had to own it. And then you've had to filter because of it. That's that's a lot.
1: Yeah, it is a lot. And it's one of the toughest things that all successful people have to learn. In order to achieve, you know, true joy, right? You have to understand that, you know, you're going to go through that process. You're going to go through that. You're not going to get it right all the time, right? I explain um, in my book basically that I have two circles, Mm. right? Somebody asked me, like, who's in your circle? Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I got two circles, right? Because you can't say no new friends, right? Mm -hmm. That that makes no sense, right? Because if you don't have new friends, then you're not inviting people continually to help you grow, right? I meet different people all the time that have different insight to different things Mm -hmm. that where I come from and the people that I grew up around don't have. That is a circle that is continually growing. That's my outside circle. Right. There's a lot of people that continually come in Mm -hmm. that leave out of that circle, depending on where I'm at in my life. And then there's an inside circle. Those are the people that understand how I work, uh, why I make my decisions, Mm. how I do things, why I do things, what my order is in life and what that means to me. That circle pretty much stays the same.
0: They're the ones that you know are leaning on you for the right reasons, but they're also the ones that you can lean on.
1: Right. I can lean on yeah. exactly. So yeah. in those, in those times that I can lean on, I can I can pretty much tell you, you know, mm-hmm. the, that circle of people. And it's been the same wow. forever. There are some people that I thought was in it that had to get out. Yep. But for the most part, the people that are in there, they've been in there and they're gonna stay in there. And you do have to have that second circle. That's the circle of yeah. growth. Yeah. You know? Not saying the people in your inner circle can't help you grow it is it's just having more people around you that you haven't had around you that's going to help you to grow and understand and see things in a different way
0: so through the netflix series and then through your book tell me what you're hoping inspires the culture and community whether you're an athlete or whether you are a corporate executive that is experiencing any kind of mental health or any kind of issues that they are looking to you and to what you have to say, your message, your experience, what are you hoping that it inspires in others?
1: Well, I think the Netflix documentary will just be a cool ass yeah. story, right? It was it was our glory years and I was the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. And the way that I did things and the way that I uh, demanded things out of others around me and brought people along yeah. and got their highest level of performance mm-hmm. are things that I did, right? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a lot of that is why we propelled to the top. So
0: let me – let me. I want you to answer that, but really quick, touch on one point. You could have the best players or you could be the best player, but what I'm hearing and what it sounds like is part of your success and how you got to the top was how you organized, arranged the team to be aligned, going for the same vision and working together. Yeah. That was the secret sauce.
1: Yeah. See, I don't think that I was the best player on the team at any point in time, Mm -hmm. but I think that I was the most important player Mm -hmm. on the team at at every – point in time, I think so, because of the leadership, right? Yeah. Uh, for instance, there's a lot of different, uh, when you come into a team and when Urban came in, there was a lot of different subgroups out mm-hmm. there, right? Uh, there's the thugs over here and the nerds and the walk-ons and, and uh, the high-class pretty boys <laughs> and all of that, the country boys, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all these subgroups. So when you have all these subgroups, you can't really become one a strong family because you got all these little subgroups and what yeah. they like to do. I was that individual that could jump in every subgroup. I stayed mm. after late with the nerds and studied. I went frog gigging with the country boys, <laughs> right? I was I was from where the thugs was from so we could listen to the same music and understand the same things. So I could get around to everyone and understand what made their, their heartbeat, what made them go, hmm. right? What motivated them? Why were they doing this? Mm-hmm. What was the reasons? What were they trying to achieve? And then I was able to utilize all of that to get the best performance out of each one of mm-hmm. them and then portray that down into the people that looked up to them and followed them. Yeah. So in essence, we all became one big family. By the yeah. time we left the University of Florida, when we went to the club, it's oh, a hundred cats going wow. to the club. You know, When I threw a party, it was mandatory for our whole team to be there. Wow. So that was the sort of thing that you're gonna see in that documentary that is like off the chain where everybody's gonna love it, gonna love to see, and you get that inside light into it. Now, the leadership portion will be seen in that, and everybody will get to see uh, yeah. how big that was. You'll have Tim Tebow, you know, he tells about he wanted to be like me. He wanted to mm. do the things that I was doing and mm. learn from me, right? Mm. I would If I stayed after the lift weights, he stayed after with me, mm. right? If I jumped in the cold tub, he jumped in the cold yeah. tub, right? And he did those things because he ultimately wanted to learn What it was about me that made me a great leader. Yeah. Right. What is it? And I think it is the ability, just like I said, to be able to relate with everybody, understand what makes them go, and then be able to pull the best out of every individual so that we can overall be the best team that we could be.
0: And that's what's amazing to me is that you could have that influence and you can connect the dots, but you created a culture and you created a synergy where once they knew each other, you could have whatever game plan you want, you could have whatever plays you want, but once Mm -hmm. they knew each other and, and through your initiatives to inspire them to be more connected, they operated as a unit to be able to work those plays. Everybody knew their role. Everybody supported one another. And you can't get that without really pulling that out of them. And that's not easy. Yeah. I mean, you know you know, I do this for a living, right? I do it yeah. for executives. <laughs> I don't do it for football players. But mm-hmm. I say this to say it is really, really hard to be able to go in and say, we have this target. We and, and everybody says it's about the win and it's about the points on the board and all that. But it's really not. It's about the people doing it. Yeah. And the ability to connect that spirit and make that spirit move in the same direction at the same time, yeah. It's that's incredible, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. And that's why I have a book and that's why I have a Leadership Academy, yeah. right? Is I wanna spread uh, the strategies, yeah. the way to be able to do that thing, right? The way to get the best out of everybody and to mm-hmm. make a team be the best team that they could be. Mm-hmm. So right around the same time that the Netflix series comes out, it's gonna be in August sometime, don't know when, I'm gonna release my book, mm-hmm. right? Um, and my Leadership Academy. Mm-hmm. Right. And they are both uh, they'll be called the definition of a leader. OK. Right. And in that in my book, you will see I'll take you through a lot of my life experiences mm-hmm. and what made me mold into uh ultimately the leader that i become right so your frameworks
0: Um, of success you're making them repeatable for other people to be able to learn from right
1: so i'll show you Mm -hmm. how i did it and then i'll give you uh what can what what can help you do the same things in your life and how you can do it Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of times that's what you want to see right and mine's straight to the point I'm not going out doing a bunch of the leadership cliches, right? There's one thing that I stress is, in my book, one thing that I stress is that people always ask me, like, who was your role models? Who did you want to be like? Who did you look up to? And I always tell them, I always looked up to my future self, Mm. right? Mm. I always looked up to what I seen myself being, right? So I didn't Mm. have a person that I was like, oh, I want to be like that person or Mm. that person. No, it always was inside. I always wanted that. I wanted to be that person that I saw myself becoming, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different thing because people don't think they're like, okay, well I need to find this role model and that role model. No, no, no. Look deep down inside, close your eyes and envision where you want to be and work backwards from there. Right? So how do you become that person? What do you have to work on in yourself? What do you have to become? What goals do you have to set? All of that different kind of stuff, I go over that in my book. And then in my in my Leadership Academy, I basically give you steps mm, to help to you, implement, to implement it. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. and push you down that role. And, make sure and, it stays uh, and it make sticks, sure you sticks stay and, you're and you're actually and affected
0: yeah. and changed by it.
1: Yeah, and you got to have some action items. So those, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's how it works.
0: It has to be reinforced and they have to try it on for size and then have a safe place to be able to come back and say, I either struggled with this or... I had this barrier. And then that connectivity of that experience, it's that experiential learning that you're bringing back to drive it home. There you go. With what you saw yourself do as a leader, aligning the team and winning, if there was not a you on the team pulling the people together to execute, would you bet on that team ever winning? Meaning, would you put your money into that team and invest in that team without somebody like you?
1: I would. No. Easy answer. Yeah. No. Right? Because you need... You need leadership, yeah. right? There's, I think that everybody can agree, rather it be on a team, mm-hmm. on an athletic team, um, in a business setting, mm-hmm. uh, even in intramurals, yeah. right? Anything, you need leadership, mm-hmm. right? Leadership is the driving force beside, but behind getting people to accomplish what they're capable of, yeah. right? And if you don't have leadership, that team will never do or never be uh, or never accomplish Mm -hmm. what they're capable of. So a team without leadership or a team without a leader that they can look to. I used to say to my guys in the locker room, I don't know if I cuss on this podcast, but I'm about to. You're fine, you're
0: good, you're good. (laughs) My language is kind of rough.
1: That's just who I am. But I used to tell everybody in the locker room before we went out, I said, hey, if anybody's scared, to go out there, if anybody Mm. get out there and they get scared and they don't know what to do, I said, look over at me Mm. and I'll be whooping somebody's ass. Mm. And I said, you just do your best impression of me. You know what I'm wow. saying? I'll be whooping somebody's mm-hmm. ass and you do your best impression to me. You know what I'm saying? So you always have to have that leader that's it's not just leading by example, mm-hmm. right? Because you have guys. There were some guys. Chris Leak, mm-hmm. right? He, was, he led by example. Mm-hmm. But was he a leader, an overall leader? I don't think so, right? Yeah. Because all he wanted to do was have it by example, yeah. right? Uh, you had some vocal guys that couldn't perform uh, the same kind of way, right? So you needed a mix of all of that stuff put mm-hmm. together. And the best kind of leader, uh, the best kind of leader to be is a versatile leader, right? Because everybody's not led in the same way, right? We could all be sitting around this table and I can cuss and motherfuck you and I'll get the (laughs) best out of you. But if I cuss and motherfuck you, you will go in the corner and cry, right? (laughs) So you have to understand that about the people that you are leading, right? What brings the best out of this person might be different Mm -hmm. from the thing that I bring the best out of this person. Some people rule with an Mm. iron fist and i'm strict i i i I definitely have people accountable Mm -hmm. hold them accountable but i do it in different ways with different people because that's what brings the best out of it the same way isn't going to bring the best out of everybody
0: it also sounds like you have the dichotomy of being a protector but also a server and an enabler so protectors that want to protect us to control and overpower don't leave room for other people to be able to grow and come into their own but you in the dynamic you have, have done both so you've allowed people to shine and you've lifted them up but you've had their back the whole way right mm-hmm. And that in itself I think is a skill set that a lot of people they their motivations for leading could be power title money whatever but when you're doing it from that place that you're talking about that's where you get the best results because you're reaching that whole person yeah the the other thing that I noticed is when you talked about what a good leader does, you didn't talk about the win you didn't talk about the points you said to do what they are capable of
1: yeah. See, and that's what people don't understand. People think the leader is because, oh, I'm doing everything that I could do, right? Everything that I could perform. I scored 40 points, right? But you lost by 20, (laughs) right? So how are you going to get the best out of everybody else to make sure when you score in your 40 that he's scoring 15 and he's scoring 17 and we get a win, right? So that's what it's all about. I think... Leaders that lead uh, just for the sake of power or saying that they are in power are sadly mistaken, right? Because I think in order to get the best out of everybody that you are leading, you have to be vulnerable to an extent, right? You have to understand that I'm doing this for this reason. Mm -hmm. You, the same thing that I learned that what makes you go, I should also let you know what makes me go, right? So that you know how to support me in the best way as a leader. There. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a best. one directional
0: situation. Uh, there you situation. go. And that's the yeah, connection,
1: yeah. right? Vulnerability is very hard for people in power, yeah. right? But in order to lead people uh, the right way and to get the best out of people, you have to be vulnerable to yeah. an extent because you got to let them into what motivates you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And you have to be open to that. And that's where. It's the question of is leadership really about power or is it about influence?
1: It's, oh, it's definitely about influence. Yes. Yeah. Right.
0: That's that's the magic in it. That's, that's it. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. So wait, tell us when your podcast and I'm sorry, when your book and your uh, Netflix documentary series comes out.
1: It comes out in August. Okay. Right? Uh, Netflix hasn't told us uh the exact date. And I might even get in trouble for even talking on this about the Netflix documentary. Well, who cares? Right? <laughs> but it comes out sometimes in, sometime in August. Okay. And then my book and my Leadership Academy will probably mm-hmm. follow right in that same direction because everybody's going to see what it is that I did and how it was. People that were in it People that around the Gator Nation, they kind of know, yeah. right? But now we're going to give you an inside track mm. into how it all works. Some yeah. of the things that, some of the decisions, and some of the things that was said, right? There's there's a moment where uh, in our national championship game, we said, I, I told Coach, like, look, they're not going to score. They're mm. not going to score, right? And everybody had us getting blown out in the initial kick. Ted again takes it and runs it back for a touchdown on special teams. Mm. And me and Urban are standing right next to each other um, as we always do at the beginning of the game. And he's like going crazy. He's throwing his headphones down. He's yelling. He's like doing his head like, and I go up to him and I grab him. And I said, listen, I didn't want the motherfuckers to score either. Mm. But if we can't score more than one touchdown, Mm -hmm. then maybe they're right. Mm. Maybe we don't belong here. Wow. I picked them fucking headphones up <laughs> wow. and let's go win a football game. And he looks at me like, and he picks the headphones up and he puts them back on and we go rock. Wow. And we end up winning that game 41-14. Awesome.
0: And you know what? So So you've talked a lot about the team leadership, but that shows you 360 sphere.
1: Different dynamic. Leadership
0: up and leadership down. down. You have to be able to do both to be able to have that full sphere of influence. So yeah. that's. That's pretty powerful. Yeah.
1: There's there's so many different experiences out yeah. there. Um, I think Urban kind of dubbed into how I was raised and didn't understand how I was raised mm-hmm. and what I was about. And he came to learn that over the years. He had a visit from my parents that went really funny where he thought that he was going to talk to them about my drink. <laughs> My drinking and my partying and my mom came up there and she had, you know, a double cup and it was a day <laughs> off. So she it was, was a drinking off. and hanging. And, uh, after, after she walked out, he just, he just brought me in and said,
0: you Aww. just keep
1: doing what you're doing. You know, <laughs> he's like, and he's like you, like uh, that, she is crazy.
0: Aww. Right. And my
1: mom is just animated and loving. And she's, but she's a, now she's a, a little bit older and a little bit more mature. But back yeah. then, she was a wild spirit. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but I think Urban understood something there that I was doing something different on yeah. my own accord. Mm. Right. So, where he would call people parents and do that kind of thing, he understood that it was me that you had to do my Mm -hmm, decisions mm -hmm. with my own. Right. So I'll never forget. We had a practice Mm -hmm. where at the end of every practice, we, the offense and the defense, we have a competition Mm -hmm. and whoever loses has to run. And we have to take the equipment from the other team into the locker room. Right. So uh, we, as the defense, we were really good the year that we won the national championship. Our offense, not so much. (laughs) Right. So we would beat up on them all the time. Well, urban this situation that he puts us in he puts us first and one from the one yard Mm -hmm. line so they get four downs to get one yard and when he said the situation i was like i'm not doing that i'm not doing Mm -hmm. that so i unsnapped my 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 helmet take it off all the rest of the defense, we snap our helmets. We're not doing that. They sorry, they sorry, we can't. And Urban calls me over. I'm like, listen, Urban, I'm not doing that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I don't care what you say, I'm not doing it. He said, he said, Brandon, he said, listen to me. He said, the defense is great, right? I said, yep, we is, but we shouldn't have to be punished for, he said, hold on, the defense is great, okay? Now, the offense, not so great, right? Mm-hmm. I said, yep, he said, now, how much time can y'all spend out on the field as a defense? I'm like, well, you know, half the time, right? He's like, exactly. He said, y'all have all the confidence in the world, right? I said, yeah. He said, if they don't have confidence, Mm. when you're sitting on that bench and they're not performing, it's going to do nothing but have y'all out there longer Mm. for a longer period of time. And you're not going to win football games because, unfortunately, you're going to need them to score in order to win. Mm -hmm. So let's... You think we can go out there and see if we can get some Give him confidence? Some confidence, yeah. And I said, I got what you said, but the motherfuckers ain't scoring. <laughs> and we held them four downs, one. Did you one. really? Yes, that's we crazy. held them four downs, oh, that's awesome. down Wow, from the one. Wow. And I mean, it just goes back to that understanding, right? Wow. Urban came from a, a psychiatric type background that worked in yeah. the college level in the college environment. Right? Mm-hmm. Because he made us build a family mm. where we had to trust each other mm-hmm. and we had to lean on each other, right If me, you and him, we had uh, all three of us and we said we're gonna run through that window mm-hmm. okay. But if all three of us run through that window at a hundred percent, we're gonna break through it. we're going to be on the other side. there's a million dollars on the other side. Mm-hmm. okay But if one of us have a doubt, that the other one's going to run 100% when they hit that wall. Mm-hmm. Whoever runs at 100% is going to break their neck. Mm-hmm. Wow. Are you going to run through that wall at 100% right mm-hmm. now sitting here not meeting, not knowing me and not knowing what I'm about? Hell no, right. right? Because I have a broken neck. But once you understand and you believe in all of the people beside you and you mm-hmm. understand that they all going to go 100% for you. Yeah. You run through that wall and you end up you on the other side up, with the award. Yep, that's right. That's so right. that is the kind Locked of teaching stick. and that's the type of wow. thing that you build a team to become close. Yeah. So that they do that. That works in college.
0: That's amazing. I think, I mean, I'm th- even thinking of the business application and situations. So we focus a lot in the m a which is the two companies combining together. And leadership in some cases can be broken. It can be misunderstood. They don't know each other. They're from different cultures and different countries. The alignment of that and how people can have their own core beliefs, they can have their biases, they can have their clicks, like you explained, you had as well. The end of it, if we, at my company, if we can carry lane executive solutions, bring that together faster, the wins, the return, the whatever it may be, but the key is that coming together faster, getting connected, getting aligned and getting the same culture and if we don't, if we can't do that, even at a corporate level, it doesn't ever work. It just doesn't ever work. Exactly. And corrupt leaders, I've seen more corrupt leaders than I would care to admit. It, it, one leader can bring down an entire organization Yeah. for the wrong reasons, the wrong, the wrong communication, the wrong interest. And it's, it's really amazing to think that there are people like you out in the world that can do so much good for the right reasons, and you almost have to have a mission beyond all the amazing things you're doing to counter and teach and help inspire people just like we are here, especially when this goes out. Because there are there's for every one of you, there's another person that's bringing somebody else down. Exactly. And we have to tip that scale and we have to make it where messages like this and things that you're doing and people that you're impacting, it's going to save more than just the lives, mm-hmm. right? It's going to save a lot more than the lives. It's going to save futures. It's going to save businesses. It's going to save families. It's going to save a lot.
1: And that's why... That's why I took it a step further and said I'll write a book to show people how I did it and how to implement it. I'll have a leadership academy where I can show you and you can Mm -hmm. have these points and these checks and live Mm -hmm. it and do it, right, and implement it. So I think outside of that, I'm saving athletes' lives every day, changing the the trajectory of their lives every day, and uh, that brings me joy. Right, I'm treating guys for mental health, substance abuse, TBIs, uh, all that sort of thing that brings me joy because that saves lives. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to do preventative work in the mental health space on college campuses Mm -hmm. to save lives and help college athletes perform at a high level and ultimately save lives in that area as well. And all that is great. And now with the book in the Leadership Academy. I want to share this information so that I can clone myself in a lot of different businesses and a lot yeah. of different areas so that they can spread Absolutely. their goodness and their knowledge mm-hmm. out to everybody else and ultimately create a more mentally healthy, yes. stable Yes. Right? Uh, uh, That we live in.
0: We have to at some point pair up you and Heather, who runs that health and well-being side of our business. And there's some synergy to be had because your network in the athlete space, our network in the corporate space, I think there's some some work we can do there to force multiply, impact even more.
1: I'm open to it all. I I want to touch as many people as I can.
0: So... Thank you for being on. I have loved talking to you and hearing your story. You know, there's not pleasure and joy that comes without some pain. And so I appreciate you being so open and vulnerable to share yours. One more question. What's again? You, you said you have never been on a podcast before. I have not. Why would you say yes to this one?
1: You caught me at a good time. <laughs>
0: Everything happens for a reason, right? Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I guess
1: maybe I learned something here today. Maybe I learned that you know, this is a new direction, right? Uh, Media, uh, social media, the way that things are turning is uh, in this direction, right? And right here in this room, you are spreading the word Mm -hmm. of the things that we are doing well, uh, spreading the word of how we can influence people in the right direction to become great leaders, right? And why would I not be a part of something like that. So, you might have taught me something here today. You broke my podcast virginity. Oh,
0: oh, I didn't know that I ever wanted that on my wall on a plaque, but that, that one is going up there in my own hall of fame. That's awesome. Well, thank you again. Oh, this is great. I've welcome. enjoyed having you so much. Thank you're you. You're welcome.